right there's so i mean that's awesome though it is i mean there's 10 years between them right you know but yeah. they are each other's best friends so you know on that note i mean there's ideally there's, there's going to be people listening that aren't the drinkers and they are mm-hmm. in, in um in the circle yeah. right i mean what how important was say billy's role in alex's life would you I don't think Alex would be who he is today if it hadn't been for, you know, uh, Billy's influence on him. Right. Okay. You you know, here's this kid who grew up with, without a dad, Mm -hmm. um, with half a mom, raised by grandparents, listening to, you know, my, my dad and my stepmom and my brother talking about investing. And he, here he is, he's 27 years old and he has more investments than, than I do. (laughs) you know right so he's taking all of this i mean he's got the knowledge of a 40 year old man Mm -hmm. you know and he's bringing it to alex you know i've got this 16 year old son who worked for a landscape company all summer and he invested half of his half of his pay wow 16 yeah my well my daughter's idea of investing her income is to ask me to buy things she doesn't spend her money on. <laughs> I mean, uh-huh. that's, yeah. Uh, I don't want to spend mine. I just want you to spend yours. Right. Yes, I've heard that. Yeah. Before. I, I have a daughter too. Yeah. yeah right. I, I get that. And that's a really cool, um, I mean, trial, uh, I guess, testament of, of what, um, it's a real testament to what, uh, adversity can mm-hmm. do for somebody. And, sure. um, you know, I think really what I wanted to, expand upon on just that scenario, that little story there was that even if you don't have a sibling involved, I mean, there's, there's groups out there and they're really important, I think for growth, for those that are impacted by, you know, families that have Mm -hmm. addiction in them. And luckily for Alex, he had Billy to kind of be that, was it, is it Al-Anon? Is that what it's called? Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So there's a, there's an organization, um, similar to AA for family members and he had that without having to go seek it. Right. So that's pretty awesome. It's an unfortunate situation that created a, a, an awesome circumstance. Sure did. Um, yeah. So that's, that's you know, one of my other, my podcast that I did was about just taking on the suck. Yeah. And, and, and overcoming it. Yeah. And finding a way to harness your experiences to, to mold you into who you are. And that's... It sounds like there's a lot of molding going on in your life. There's a ton of molding <laughs> going on. And I love it because, you know, having 10 years between, you know, two brothers and, and 14 years, you know, with Charlotte. Yeah. Having 14 years, um, that could go either way. They could either be really, really close or really, really not close. Right. Yeah. And they're all, the three of them are all really, really close. And it's wonderful. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I'm so happy about that. So, so now we've got Billy stepping in, yeah. Mom stepping in. Uh, this this new gentleman named Mark, Mark, who yeah. was inadvertently feeding your addiction. Right. So, what happened next? Well, he, you know, he just he didn't know, he didn't know any better. Right. Um, not his fault, you know. No, and that's why I'm asking right. what happened next because right. I I picked that up for yeah. sure. Yeah. So, um, we were doing Christmas, Christmas crafts with, uh, 
my kids, uh, his three boys, and then our, our neighbors, Carrie and Tim, they're two kids. So we're all, you know, we've got the, the men are in the living room, they're watching football or, or whatever it was they were doing, and the women are in, you know, the, the kitchen dining room area, and we're doing these Christmas crafts. Which is the picture perfect of the yes. typical Christmas Absolutely. season Saturday night. Yeah. Okay. The only thing we didn't have was a turkey in the oven. Okay. You know. Yeah. Um, so Carrie, you know, my friend who is a quote unquote normal drinker, uh-huh. pours herself a drink. I pour myself one too in my Yeti, in my giant 32 ounce <laughs> Yeti. Your chalice. Yes. <laughs> I was like, let's do this. <laughs> We're going to have fun today. Since since you invited me to do so, I will partake. Absolutely. Okay. So um, I just started, I basically was, I, I mean, looking back at the time frame from when I started to when I was like wasted, it, I, was I just guzzling it? I mean, that's kind of in my mind. I mean, I just was drunk. I was, uh, I don't even remember doing Christmas crafts. So you went from drunk to shit face so quick? Uh-huh. Like you were like, okay. Yeah. Pour it down my gullet. Let's go. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, wow. Yeah, pictures will pop up, and I was posting stuff on Facebook. And pictures will po- will come up in my Facebook memories, and I'm like, I don't remember doing that. I don't remember wow. that. I mean, at one point, Carrie and I, we were painting the kids' hands mm-hmm. white and then having them grab a Christmas ornament. So their little handprint was on the Christmas ornament. I don't remember doing that at all. We made like Santa sleighs out of like Kit Kat bars, you know, wrapped up candy and we stacked them and put a little chocolate Santa on top. I don't remember doing that. I don't remember any of that. And I don't really remember what happened that led me to the decision to check myself into treatment that day. So, wait a minute. So this happened at night. This was going on during the day. Okay, so this was going during the day. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so about about what time did you say you poured your first drink on that day? 10 or 11 o'clock in the morning. Okay. Which I I will admit, as a social drinker, I've done. Yeah. Hell, I've been drunk by noon before. Mm -hmm. Right? I mean, so. Yeah. As a friend that may not know, maybe she did, maybe she didn't, who knows, Watching someone else pour a drink at eleven o'clock in the morning in this type of environment is is yeah standard operating procedure. Yeah, totally normal. Right. The difference was is I hid it from Mark. Well, okay, so that was kind of a question I had was yeah. Now that Mark knew, yeah, you know he 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 was on team sobriety once he found out. He was on team. Let's try and control it. Okay, which is foolish not to dog him by any means. Hundred uh, percent. I just have. I do have a little background in it, so I, I know that there is no controlling it. Right, right. So, and so, he didn't, you know, bless his heart, he didn't yeah, know, you know, that for I, sure that he he didn't know anything about alcoholism yeah. or addiction. You know, he had never been around it, never experienced it, didn't really know, but thought that you know, well, she can control it. I'll help. Yeah, and 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 his perspective too was, I love this woman. Yeah, and all I want is her happiness. Yeah, and if we can experience things together mm-hmm. under a controlled environment. There's nothing wrong with it. Right. Okay. Exactly. Right. So you hit it for Mark. You threw it in your Yeti. He thought you were drinking cola. Yeah. And you really had Jack Daniels or whatever. 
Captain Morgan. Captain Morgan. Captain and Diet. That was your... That was my drink. That was your drink, huh? Either that or vodka and monster. Vodka and <laughs> monster? Oh, yeah. I mean, I lived on the edge, Wayne. Oh, my gosh. I wanted to see if my heart would explode. <laughs> my goodness gracious. Oh, yeah. I drank monster and vodka a lot. That is out of control. Terrible. Terrible. Ugh. Like, who does that? N- nobody. Nobody. I've <laughs> nobody. You know, vodka and Red Bull, which is still an energy drink, but at least the, the flavor of Red Bull has a, I don't know, man, mo- Monster is, yeah. to me, Monster alone is like the most wretched yeah. drink ever. Do not try this at home. No. Folks. No. What, so can you even drink, like when you drink, uh, can you even drink Monsters anymore? I, I I can. Okay. I don't. Okay. Fair. I, yeah. I don't like what they do to my heart. They okay. make my heart race. All right. Yeah. All right. So anyway. I don't like those feelings anymore. Yeah. Those, you know, out of control feelings. Yeah. But yeah. So so that night at some point, I, and it, disclaimer, I don't remember doing this. Uh-huh. But I guess at some point I said, I want to, I want to go to treatment. Okay. And this was the thing I had been fighting against. I mean, I... In that four years of me drinking, I would get 30 days of sobriety. Uh-huh. You know, I had a bucket full of 30-day AA coins. I just couldn't get past 30. I, I couldn't get to 45 okay. to save my life. Um, and even while I was with Mark, I, was, I tried. I tried. And it was at that point, that, that particular day, that Mark knew she's an alcoholic. She needs help. So... I, at some point in that night, said, I'm, I'm ready to go to treatment. Well, Carrie and Mark literally sprung into action. Uh, Mark called my mom while Carrie was on the phone with treatment facilities. Mark's talking to my mom, uh, and they're packing a bag for me. And I'm sitting out in the living room drinking. Like, well, I... Why not at that point, Exactly. Right? I mean... Exactly. Um, my mom showed up and my mom lives in, in Lake Odessa and she got to Charlotte at mock speed. Like she was, she, I think she knew if I don't get there right now, she could change her mind. Right. And my mom was there. She had to do 90 all the way. Wow. <laughs> Poor woman. And there's no highway really. No, it's, <laughs> I mean, all, it's all back road. It's all farm roads it's to go all. from, from, you could. But it would add an extra 40 miles to the trip, yeah. you know? Yeah. But. Um, so they swooped me up. Carrie stayed that night with the kids, who, by the way, watched all this happen. Mm-hmm. They saw all of this going down. Um, they found a treatment facility. It's called um, Awakenings. It's in Albion, Michigan, which, unfortunately, is it's closed to stores. So un- that's unfortunate. Um but that night, I walked through the doors of, uh, of a treatment facility ready to do it all again, change my life. I was ready. It's crazy. It's crazy. So you, um, I mean, you say do it all again. I, I respectfully would disagree a little bit because I think you, the first time you took way too much on your own shoulders. Maybe. You know, um, there's a lot of tools you can get for socially from people going through the same thing. But, you know, when you go into a facility like that, and correct me if I'm wrong, but they, there's a lot more in-depth help for you in that situation, would you say? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yes. Yeah. So much help. Um, 
sitting in, in the office with the guy in intake, he was a recovering addict. So from the moment I, I got there, I was face-to-face with successful right. recovering addicts. Which is huge. Huge. Yeah, because you can sit here and tell me, you know, the story about, oh, it's easy to over. I could sit here and tell someone it's easy to, you know, recover. Yeah. And that means shit from me. I've never had to do it. All but. of the people, it, I'm pretty sure, I don't know this for a fact, but I'm pretty sure all of the people that worked there were recovering addicts in, in one form or another. I would I would be willing to bet a paycheck that greater than 80% of the people you interacted mm-hmm. were. Yeah. And the reason I say that is because those people that end up doing that for a living mm-hmm. are typically people that went through it themselves. Yeah. And are the same reason you're here today. Right. They want to impact other people's lives mm-hmm. and help them overcome something that had such a stronghold of their lives. Um, strain their relationships. Yeah. So, so yeah, I would say to, you know, to anyone listening and, and again, I don't have this and if I'm wrong, please correct me. But if you're going through this, finding the help is, is really important beyond putting it on your shoulders. hundred percent agree with that. So, so you went into treatment. Mm-hmm. How long were you in treatment? I was in treatment for 40 days, 40 days. Mm-hmm. So you left your kids. Yeah. You left your job. Yes. You left your house, your relationship, everybody behind for 40 days. How was that? Mm-hmm. Uh, probably one of the hardest things I've ever had to do in my in my whole life. Um, what did you miss? Like, what, what things did you miss while you were out? And I don't mean, like, waking up in my own bed. That's not what I mean. Uh, I missed my daughter's birthday. Okay. I missed my brother's birthday. I missed Thanksgiving, and I missed Christmas. So your family got penalized. Absolutely. For your behavior. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes. Um, I checked into treatment on November 18th, and my daughter's birthday was November 29th. So I missed, and I missed my dad's birthday too. My dad's birthday is uh, right around Thanksgiving. Um, I was in detox for the first 10 days that I was in treatment. Um, and they have you detox because that's where the, the medical staff is, the doctor and, and then the nurses. And they watch for um, withdrawal symptoms. Mm -hmm. And I was in such high, um, I think it's called delirium tremors, DTs Mm -hmm. is what they're referred to, um, that I was on anti-seizure medication. They they were trying to keep me from having a, a seizure because of my withdrawal from alcohol. So before you checked yourself in, before this Christmas event, Mm -hmm. um, were you drinking every day again? I don't know if I was drinking every day, if not every other day, for sure. Okay. Um, But I didn't have the the ability to have like a glass of wine with dinner like a normal person would. Right. Yeah. And that's, that's something, I mean, I have a friend who, you know, when we hung out back in like 21 years old, uh, had that same problem. Yeah. The difference is he never really recognizes, has never recognized it. Mm. I mean, I haven't seen him in years, so I don't know where he's at today with that. But I, to the point, I remember him passing out in, in a bathroom at a local club, mm-hmm. peeing all over his pants and wondering why he was being asked to leave. Oh, yeah. You know, but. Yeah. So I. That yeah. would have been a Tuesday for me. Huh. Yeah. That's completely, you know. I, I'm not shocked by that. Yeah. Because I've done that. Yeah. <laughs> you know. 
guess they're one out of a strip club. I mean, hey, yeah. you know, go big or go home. That's Wayne. right. That's, you know, do it. Well, I, I, think. I, I think for what it's worth, and, and maybe it's been said, but and maybe it hasn't, I think it needs to be, is, is that you missed a birthday, some birthdays, and you missed Christmas. You may feel like you penalized those people, and you did, but you also gave them probably the best gift they've ever received. Well, my daughter at the time had uh, she turned nine years old, and and when you're in when you're in detox, you have no communication with the outside world at all. Right. So I went ten days without talking to anybody in my family, anybody that the people I needed the most, I didn't get to talk to. Um, all by design. Yeah. It was all a purpose behind it. But they did let me call my daughter on her birthday. <clears throat> and while I was on the phone with her, I was crying. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry I'm missing your birthday. I can't even believe I'm doing this to you. And she said the most profound thing, a nine-year-old. I, I mean, this is something that an adult wouldn't even think of. But she said, it's okay, Mommy. You're missing this one, so you don't have to ever miss another one again. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Wow, right. that's kids are great, right? And uh, yeah, just amazing. And and her saying that to me got me through the next thirty days. Yeah, I mean, after that, th- there were times I don't want to say it was all roses and and cherries because it wasn't. It sucked. Right. It sucked. Well, I can't. Know? Yeah, I mean, but every day I was working towards. A solid foundation of sobriety. I was working towards having, you know, a block of time under my belt while I went back out into the real world. Um, I was, unlike AA, where we talk about our experience, our strength, and our hope at the table, I was learning why I was the way that I was. I was in cognitive behavioral therapy classes several times a day. Um, We were in, I was in music class, music therapy classes, all of these things geared around why you are the way you are, um, what you had to do to get to where you were, and how to make it outside of this of this building, how to be successful after after having been here. So every single thing that we did in there was geared around success in sobriety. Um, we had to make our beds every day. And I, I remember people complaining about having to keep their rooms clean. They went, they did room checks every day. You had to have your bed made and your room had to be clean. And I would hear people complain about it. I'm like, there's a reason. There's all a reason for this. There's got to be a reason for this. And I, I remember just thinking, like, what, why? Why is it so important that I make my bed? Well, the longer that I was in there, the more I realized I'm completing a task before I even brush my teeth in the morning. I have a successful task done before I brush my teeth in the morning. That's a good thing, right? It's a yeah. good thing to, to make your bed. I, I'm i hearing you submit to the process. Yes. Yeah. I submitted to the process and I, I, I was successful. I've been successful because of it. I think that's an oft overlooked requirement mm-hmm. to recovery. Um, if I was in that situation, knowing me, I would be like, what the fuck am I doing this for? Right. Why do I need to uh, go into music therapy class? Right. Like this is nothing to do. Yeah. Submitting, submitting yourself 
to the addiction and, mm-hmm. you, you know, understanding that it, it is something more powerful than you are. And then I think the most important thing you've said on this entire thing, this entire podcast, without, without saying it, is submitting to the process, like surrendering to other people's guidance when you think mm-hmm. you know better. I know you well enough to know that you're a strong-willed individual. Right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, and to hear you articulate you letting someone else tell you what to do is, mm-hmm. is pretty, uh, it's pretty astounding to hear you know, given who's saying it. Yeah. So that's, you know, anyone that's listening, understand that like you can't half-ass this is what I'm hearing. That's a hundred percent correct. Um, you either are sober or you're not. That's the bottom line. You either are all in or you are all out. By being all in, you're going to have a successful life. Are you going to make a million dollars? Who knows? Are you going to make a million dollars if you're all out? No freaking way. <laughs> hey, that it, you know, you have a better chance of, of being su- a success in your life if you completely surrender, do the work, show up every day to your life mm-hmm. because when you're drinking, you're not showing up every day to your life. Not at all. Not at all. And it's never your fault either if I'm Oh, 100%. No. I drink because I had a bad day at work. I drink because my boss is a, is a dick. I, I drink because my, you know, my kids are not cleaning their room and they don't turn off any lights in the house. I drink because I got a flat tire. I drink because it's Tuesday. You can, there's every, you can come up with every excuse in the book. I did. Mm-hmm. I drank and I always had an excuse as to why I was going to do it. When you stop drinking, when you submit to the process, when you surrender to the fact that you are in need of help, your your life becomes in control. And before it it's not. It's not in you're not in control of anything. Your alcohol is in control. And that's terrifying if you think about it. Mhm. Well, I mean, you said it. You said it when you were talking about the monster drink. You don't like to not be mm-hmm. in control. Yeah. And to not be in control and, and you, but you, you let it like, yeah. so. I liked it. You liked it. I liked that feeling. So one of the things that kind of stood out to me in this conversation is, you know, you, you if anyone's ever watched anything about alcoholism and addiction, there's your overt addict, you know, addicts mm-hmm. where they, they don't really give a shit whether you know or not. They just drink. Yeah. And then there's your closet drinkers, right? The ones that hide their vodka in the toilet mm-hmm. that go in and, you know, use the restroom and yeah, ha- drink half a pint of vodka while they're in there. And it sounds like you've been both yeah. to, to a degree. I mean, I'm not saying you're hiding vodka in your toilet, but you might've been. Well, I was um, hiding it between the mattresses. Yeah. yeah. Which is a lot of effort, isn't it? Yeah. Is that like hard? I was, yeah, it, I worried about getting caught. Uh-huh. I knew that if I, I knew that if Mark caught me, it would be bad. Right. Yeah. But you didn't care. You cared just enough. I cared, I cared enough to hide it. Right. But not enough to stop. Okay. And that's a big, that's, that's important. Uh-huh. I cared enough to hide it from him, but he didn't care enough to stop doing so it. So how would I know if my wife is doing that to me? Oh, you just got to be aware of your surroundings. Okay. You know, look for 
declining behavior throughout oh. the day. You know, um, when you say that, talk mm -hmm. about that for a minute. So you get up in the morning, they're sober, they're productive, drinking coffee, interactive. Mm -hmm. And then by the end of the day, they're withdrawn and droopy eyed. Withdrawn, droopy eyed, glossy eyed, um, taking longer to stand up, walking a little slower, even slurring words. I mean, I know it sounds obvious, but even the best alcoholics, you know, sometimes we don't slur our words. Yeah. You know, you could have an alcoholic living right under your nose and not know it. Yeah. You probably don't. I'd met your wife. Yeah. No, fair. <laughs> I'm just, I'm more of putting it out there for others, yeah. you know. Uh, yeah. I mean, they're called functional alcoholics for sure. a reason, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. Um, nobody's going to be able to go to work and be drunk and answer the phone like, hey, thanks for calling. This is Wayne. Yeah. You know, they, exactly. they can't get away with that. But, you know, but in, unfortunately, there, there are alcoholics that pass away mm -hmm. and their autopsy is done and, you know, there's findings in the liver and the, the family members had no idea. Right. You I know? can imagine. Yeah. It happens. It happens. Because alcoholism too isn't always getting shit face drunk either. Mm -hmm. Right. It, it can just be buzzed enough. And that's, and that is really important. And I would like to, to talk a little bit about that. You don't have to be a blackout drunk, you know, just because you're blackout how do I want to say this? Just because you don't black out doesn't mean you're not an alcoholic. Right. I would agree with that for sure. You know, um, I was talking to a girlfriend of mine today and she, she told me that she wants to quit drinking. Mm -hmm. And I said, I've been around you a lot when you've drank. You are not an alcoholic. Now, that was probably the worst thing I could have ever said to her. And I apologized to her for it, you mm -hmm. know, because I and, and I went on to say, if that's something you feel you need to do, I'm here to support you. That's what I should have said. That's right. not what I said. Did you end up saying that? Though? I did okay. end up saying that to her. <laughs> right. You know, um, it's not always an, an overt, obvious thing mm -hmm. that somebody's an alcoholic. You know, do you have to drink every day? Do you, you drink only on Saturdays, but you get blackout drunk? Do you drive your car when you shouldn't be? You know, these are all things you have to consider. And encourage you if you think you have a problem talk to somebody the one thing that an old sponsor said to me how do I, I said how do i know if i'm an alcoholic and, and she said if not drinking is not a problem you're probably not an alcoholic to which when you think about it for me to take alcohol out of the situation, does it cause me anxiety? Does, do, I, do I think about it a lot? Do I do everything I can to get to that alcohol? Yes, all of the above. Checked all those boxes. I'm an alcoholic. But for somebody like my girlfriend, her not drinking is probably not a problem. She can probably just walk away from it and be fine. Mm -hmm. But who am I to say? Right. Well, and you don't know. Right. You don't know what you don't know. Right. right. I mean, that's, um, I think we all struggle with the right thing to say. I'm glad to hear that you mm -hmm. were self-aware enough to go, shit. You know, yeah. what if someone would have said that to, Mark said that to me. Right. Right. Um, so how long have you been sober now? I celebrated four years the day before yesterday. So it's been four years. Yes. That's amazing. Yeah. So is, is Mark still around? Um, 
Yes and no. Okay. <laughs> Mark and I um, had known each other for about 12 years. We were really good friends okay. um, before we started dating. Mm-hmm. And um, we broke up about two and a half years ago. Okay. And so we, we still are kind of in each other's lives, mm-hmm. but we kind of go in waves. Right. <laughs> um, Companionship, friendship. Yeah, friendship. Um, I, did, I did talk to him day before yesterday and he congratulated me and I, I thanked him for, you know, because what he went through while I was in that, that treatment facility, um, he was working two jobs because he'd lost my income. Uh, he got in a car accident, a head on collision. He was fine. Thank God. But yeah. you know, and, and then he had Thanksgiving and then he had Christmas and he had all these kids and, and this was not the shit he signed up right. for, but he handled it like, like a boss okay you know and i just told him how much i thanked him i you know when i was in that treatment facility i didn't have to worry about anything because he was just handling it he's taking care of business yeah you have um a luxury that a lot of people don't when they're going through that and that's a support system i mean your support net is huge yeah listening to you know you got unfortunately your parents got divorced but created a, a big huge foundation for you with their new relationships yeah your son your ex-husband even, mm-hmm. um, and, and this guy, you know, all, all were there for you to, to get through this. Yeah. Um, let's talk about my role as a friend to someone like you. Mm-hmm. Okay. Who's in recovery. Um, so I have friends that are, I don't know. I don't know their story, but I do know that they're, they don't drink. They're mm-hmm. in recovery to a degree. And my wife is uber conscious about, if we go out with them for dinner or go somewhere with them and, uh, having, having drinks with them. So as a, as a friend to somebody in that situation, what, what's an appropriate behavior for us to help you walk the line? That's a really great question. And I'm glad that you're asking me that. Um, so one thing that you need to remember is that it's their disease, not yours. Okay. This is my disease, not yours. Um, I have to be able to remove myself from a situation that makes me uncomfortable. Um, and that's what, you know, if, if these friends of yours are any part of the AA program, they know to have an out. Um, as a friend, you probably wouldn't get drunk in front of them. Um, I know that that would make me uncomfortable. I, I personally, I can be around alcohol. Um, I can go to a bar. I, I choose to not, but... I can, you know. That's the part of removing yourself from the situation. Exactly. <laughs> well, I mean, I went to um, a bachelorette party in Chicago a few months ago. And um, the bride and, and all of her friends, they were all taking the train in. Well, I drove separately. I had to be able to have my out. And she understood that. She, you know, I told her, I was like, I just don't feel comfortable you know, riding on the train and not being able to get away if I need to. Yeah. And there's probably some debauchery on, on the train. There was. This, yeah. Yeah. I mean. Of course there was. Yeah. And, uh, you know, when we were in Chicago, I, we had a blast. Um, yeah. And I was fine. Thank God. But mm-hmm. I was never too far from my hotel. So I could leave. if I needed to. Okay. Um, so it was fine. You know, that's, the, the important thing to remember is that it's their disease, not yours. And um, it never hurts to ask them, are you okay? Okay. Do That's you, good information. Yeah. Do you need to leave? You know, is this making you uncomfortable? The one thing about being a recovering alcoholic is that 
when you reveal that to somebody, they will immediately start telling you about how they drink. Right. You know? Okay. Like justifying their behavior, yeah. their drinking. I don't care how much you drink. Right. That's fine. That's funny. I just can't. Right. So you're good. Right. So you're an alcoholic. Well, I only drink at football games. Every single time. That's, that's yeah. Well, I mean, that's human nature though, right? Yeah. We just, we want to. I think it's, I, I think it's cute. You know, I think it's, I really do. I, I, I love when people do that because oh, I Oh, sweetie, that's it. how I started. <laughs> exactly, exactly. But, you know, just, it's, just be the friend that is watching out for them. You know, my, uh-huh. my girlfriend who got married, um, we were at her wedding. She got married in, in Las Vegas. Her name's Danielle. She's right. a very, very good friend of mine. But we, she got married in Vegas, and she checked. She kept checking on me. Here's the bride. Uh-huh. Her big day. Yeah. And she's checking on One me. One less thing for her to worry about. Exactly. But, well, that's that's pretty amazing on her part, though. Hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what a good friend, right? Yeah. So just be that friend. You know. Hey, just want to check. You know, I I have like I said, I have a couple, and when I, I, I you know, I'm I'm a real observing person mm-hmm. in general, right? Yeah. Like it's just. Maybe I'm skeptical about those people around me, <laughs> but uh, I, I pick up on their habits when we're in social interactions and environments. And so if I know I'm having somebody over that ha- that's in recovery and I know them, I will have something for them to drink while Thank they're there. Thank you for that. I have, uh, it's funny, I, I have a 12 pack of Bush N.A., Thank in my you for fridge. That. And although get something different. Bush well, <laughs> that's what they drink. So Oh, okay then. <laughs> I know. But like it's funny because I have a so my godfather mm-hmm. um who still in our lives, you know, and has been to my wedding and you know, has been to my mm-hmm. house and stuff like that. He came over, uh they were coming back to Kalamazoo from their place up north. And we were having a family gathering. So my brothers and sisters. So like my whole Lacey family was over. And so they, they decided to stop in because they were, they were invited to be a part of that. Right. They were like my parents, best friends. And I grew up, he always had a beer in his hand. Yeah. I mean, it was either PBR or Bush light. Always awful. (laughs) But I mean, that's how I grew up. Him and his wife were always drinking like Mm -hmm. they, and not to say they were getting shit faced, but they were always having a beer. Yeah. Well, they stopped drinking years ago and um, they're, they're over at my house this summer sitting by the pool and, you know, I've got a Oberon or something in my hand. I'm like, I'm like, Hey, can I get you something to drink? He's like, um, I'll just take a water. I'm like, well, I, I have Bush on a, and, and he goes, no, what you have an a, <laughs> I was like, yeah, he goes him and his wife both. Like, I'd love to have one. That's awesome. You know, cause I could, you know, that anxiety that, that mm-hmm. correct me if I'm wrong, but the social part of drinking doesn't go away. Right. I miss that. Yeah. Yeah. You know. And that's the thing. It's it's like people, especially young people who get sober, they think, what am I going to do with myself? What am I going to do with my life? I can't, I, I, I'll never have any fun again, ever. Well, I've had more fun being sober than I ever had when I was drunk. That's the honest to God truth. But yeah, that social aspect, I would really like to see more restaurants carry more non-alcoholic beer. You know, yeah, the frou frou non alcoholic drinks great are great, but mm-hmm. I would I like the taste. I like the taste of beer. Right. I, I can't yeah. handle the effects of the beer. But I would love to go out to a restaurant with my girlfriends, they'll order a drink and me order a, a Heineken Zero. Yeah. Or, you know, I would never order a Bush NA, but it would be nice <laughs> to have a Bush NA on the menu. You're an NA snob. <laughs> I kind of am they have IPAs. 
Oh my goodness. They do. And oh. they're delicious. Oh. I love them. You can get them at Horrocks. See, I don't even like IPA, so. Oh, I do. I love that, that but taste. If I were to quit drinking altogether, and again, I I drink socially. I don't think I have a problem. Maybe I do to some degree, but the the one thing that I really enjoy the most is sitting down at a restaurant and having a beer before dinner. Mm-hmm. Like that is an ice cold draft, Miller Lite. It's not great beer, whatever, but it's something I enjoy. And it's usually, and it's one. Like for me, it's, it is one. And I guess maybe that's how I know. Yeah. You know, I might have, if I, I might have two while I'm there, but it's not because I need one. It's because I'm here and I might not even finish it. Maybe I do. But to stop drinking for me, like that would be a part of the social piece that would be hard for me. And I can't imagine, you know, what it's like, you know, going into an environment where, you know, I mean, not to say you're sweating it by any means, but. You want to enjoy yourself too. Yeah, you know? I'm very fortunate. Um, I don't, and I think maybe I'm I'm fortunate because I was ten years sober, and I I thought I could do this. I can try this again. I, you know, I'll be successful, and I wasn't. I don't got this. You know. Yeah. So I'm very fortunate the second time around to know that I never have to try it again. I never have to because I'm never going to be a successful drinker. Mm-hmm. So it's, I, I hate to say easy for me, but in a sense, it's kind of easy for me. Don't hate to say that. It's something to be proud of. Um, I'm grateful for it. Yeah. Some people, mm-hmm. it takes going on number four. Yeah. For, you know, maybe it'll become easy for her one day, maybe. Um, I hope so. I'll, you know... Addiction isn't just drugs and alcohol either. Right. I mean, it, it can be, you know, I mean, there's obviously the, you know, other things that are out there, but I mean, even just stuff that's even harmless. Like for me, to some degree, I'm uh, I'm addicted to like notary, not- notoriety. Mm-hmm. You, you know what yeah. I mean? I like, like I really like to be noticed for something. Um, I mean, it doesn't consume my life by any means, but sometimes you do stuff and you might hurt somebody. Like my wife said many times, like you're being an ass last night, you know, cause I'm telling a joke or something yeah. that isn't really that funny. Right. <laughs> but I, <laughs> it, to, to have the wherewithal to understand where you are yeah. with it and, and just not kind of feed that need. I guess I look at addiction like this. If you're addicted to something and it's not causing you or anybody else harm, then who cares? Right. You know? I gotcha. Yeah. I know people who are are CrossFit junkies, you know, if you will. Um, oh, they'll just tell you about it, too. And they do. That's <laughs> <laughs> how you know someone does CrossFit. They'll tell you. They'll tell you. Um, you know, but, you know, working out or running or... You know, I, I guess if it's not harming you and it's not harming anybody else, more power to you. Go for it. Yeah. You know, I think when it starts to be a detriment to yourself or to somebody around you, that maybe it's time to look at making a change. Yeah. Well, that that's a great point. But when did you know what you were doing was harming people around you? Oh. Gosh. I remember one time uh, I was out with my brother and uh, keep in mind, my my brother and I have not always had a great relationship. We do now, 
uh, we have a really great relationship. But I remember one one time I was out with my brother, and I think that this was the time that I realized, okay, you've got a problem. Um, I was out with him and his friends. We were downtown Lansing. I was outside of the nut house, uh, or we were at a bar near or or across the street from something from I remember the nut house, um, and he made me leave. And when I left, I, f- I fell on the concrete and I scraped up my knee. Um, and I have a scar from that. But he called my stepmom to come get me. He's like, get her out of here. She's embarrassing me. And, it was, you know, we were in our 20s. And, and that was like, that was the time that I knew. Didn't stop me. But that was, that was when I knew. I'm not good at this. How old were you? Oh, gosh. Well, he was old enough to drink, and I'm four years older than him. So he was at least he was at least 21, so that would have made me 25. Okay. And, 25, then, and how old were you on this last time kicking, kicking the sober bucket? 43. Took like 20 years? Yeah. Of you knowing yeah. that you're hurting other people? Yeah. That's, that says that addiction is pretty powerful. Sure is. You can't always stop. No. It's hard. Yeah. You know, it's, yep. it's it is. not easy. Sobriety is not for the faint of heart. You got to be ready to kick your addiction's ass. For sure. You know, if you're not ready to kick your addiction's ass, your, your addiction's going to kick yours. Yeah. I mean, it is. And you got to have the tools. Yeah. And the foundation. And anybody who wants, and I want to be clear on this. Anybody who wants to get sober absolutely can. Mm-hmm. Absolutely can. Without question. I did it twice. If I can do it, anybody else can do it. It's hard. It's a lot of work. Yeah, it's going to hurt. It it's going to be so worth it. Yeah. So worth it in the end. Well, I think there's a lot of great information that people can pull from this today. I hope so. So um, it's probably going to be a two-parter. Okay. <laughs> this, this went really long, um, which oh is good. No, it's great. No, I, it's, uh, you have a lot to share and I think it's all good stuff. And I, and I, and I really, my, <clears throat> I envision, you know, stories being told on this and, and impacting people's lives. And I think this is one that can do that. Um, I sure hope so. So is there, well, as we're wrapping this up, is there anything that you want to share with anybody that, might be going through uh, what you've what you've gone through. Don't give up. Don't give up. You know it, it's okay to start over. Um, if you if you have a, a slip, which I hate saying that, but if you if you drink, start again tomorrow. Try again tomorrow. Because uh, at some point it's going to happen. Don't you, don't. Yeah. Don't quit quitting. Don't quit quitting. But you have to be willing to do it. You have to be willing to work for it. Quit making excuses. I would agree with that. And I I think when I hear you say that you hate the word slip, it's it's because it's implying it's not serious. Yeah. If I slip going to the restroom and catch right. myself, it's not a big deal. Right. It's a decision. Yeah. I mean, I think it – I mean, you made a choice. Mm-hmm. That day, that Christmas day, throwing, yeah. you yeah, know, sure did. a pint of Morgans into your Yeti. I did, yeah. You know, you know, it's 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 painful. It that the anxiety, 
and the only thing to make that that pain and that anxiety to go away the only the only way to get it to go away is to drink or so i thought right yeah you know there is an easier softer way Mm -hmm. to live your life absolutely because addiction is is hard Mm -hmm. it's hard to be an addict oh yeah yeah because the things that you that yeah, absolutely. I, I don't even want to try and put it into words. But my own personal experience is getting out of bed after a day of drinking mm-hmm. is hard enough as it is. Yeah. And to do it again. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, when I was 21 and we had a back-to-back thing going on or something, mm-hmm. maybe. But even then, I couldn't. Yeah. I mean, it's it's rough on you. It's rough on your body. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so. Well, again, I can't thank you enough for coming on and sharing your story. It's been awesome to hear everything that uh, you've had to share. And I'm I'm sure I'm speaking for everybody in your family when I say, you know, keep working hard and um, they all appreciate the efforts you've put in to, Mm. to be there for them. So. um, Well, thank you for having me. I appreciate you letting me uh, come on and, and, you know, tell my story. And I hope that hope that uh, somebody listens to it and and says you know what if she can i can awesome well with that um we're gonna get out of here and um you know move on to the next day one day at a time right one day at a time all right thanks a lot karen thank you once again i'd like to thank karen Schaffner for joining me on what you're talking about and sharing her amazing story and how it's impacted her life and, and her children's lives and how she's been able to overcome it and become a fantastic mother and a productive member of our society. So if you know anyone who is struggling with addiction um, and they need some help, I'd be happy to guide them into some resources that I have available. Um, You can reach me at email at lacy1wa at yahoo.com. That's L-A-C-Y, the number one, W-A, at yahoo.com. And if you enjoyed the podcast today, please tell your friends, uh, leave a review, share it, I would appreciate getting this podcast out to the to the populace so that we can get more users and more listeners and maybe impact some more lives. Thanks again.